Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. We're also streaming at WCEV1450.com. If you have not already done so, that means if this is your first time joining us, you are fresh out and new to the program. We're on every evening from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, and you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can follow us at Radio Islam USA and use that same username. To find us wherever you get your podcast, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, just to name a few. So subscribe, rate, review, uh, let us know what you think, let us know what you'd like to hear about. So that being said, good people, um, want to, oh, you know what? I can't go any further without saying a Ramadan Mubarak, a blessed Ramadan to all of you who are observing this blessed, this holy month. Uh, hope that it is bringing you a sense of renewal. Uh, healing, inspiration, uh, all of the great things that we look for during this month. Now, it's odd that we're going to bring up issues of, of, of violence or Islamophobia. You know, it's not odd. It's not odd at all. Because just because it's Ramadan for us, uh, for those who are observing it, it doesn't mean that the issues that we face go away, right? These are still issues that we have to deal with. But hopefully we can deal with them with a little bit of clarity, uh, maybe a better perspective, a little more understanding. So I want to start out uh, today's program um, with the executive director of the CLGC. That's the Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicagoland. Uh, and that is our brother, Gregory Abdullah Mitchell. Uh, he is joining us in studio. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, brother Tariq. How are you today? I am doing well, alhamdulillah. Um, I'm just... I'm fighting for sleep, I think, like like most of us. So I'm about ready for that afternoon nap. We'll see how that works out. Um, but uh, as I mentioned, Ramadan is, is, a, is a blessed month definitely for us. Um, but it does not mean that the issues that we've had to deal with prior to this month, that they've gone away. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes they, seems, they seem to raise their heads uh, a, a bit more fiercely uh, during this month. And there are a couple of things that I want to just throw on the table first before we get into uh, some of the things that um, uh, CIOGC is, well, a particular initiative that CIOGC uh, has initiated. Uh, and that is, I think it was just yesterday, there was an attack on a mosque in Connecticut. Yes. Now, Connecticut, yeah, New Haven, is not necessarily known as a place of. Um, you know, anti-Islamic sentiment, uh, at least I should say in comparison to some other places like California or New York. So uh, I'll tell all of you this. We've had uh, Dr. Uh, Bobby McKenzie on the program in the past, and he is the director of the New America um, uh, Muslim Diaspora Project, and they chart anti-Islamic, anti-Muslim incidents that have taken place in the U.S. since 2015. And so when I say Connecticut does not have the same reputation as, say, a California or New York when it comes to anti-Muslim sentiment or uh, hate crimes, things of that nature, things that have been reported against Muslims, keep this in mind. So since 2015, there have been 56 uh, documented incidents, at least according to, to their research, their database. Uh, 56 in California, 
There have been 23 um, statements of hate against Islam, against Muslims made by elected officials. Uh, and in New York, the number is 48. So 48 incidents uh, total and seven inc uh, instances where an elected official has made negative statements against Muslims. Right now, if you go down to Connecticut, prior to this uh, this intentional fire, this arsonist, this hate crime uh, against uh, Masjid, and, and we thank God that no one was, was hurt, but there was oh, somebody inside. Uh, but still, prior to this, there are only six, and I say only, right? There should be none. But when you think about 48 and 56, there are only six inc instances, I'm sorry, five instances of anti-Muslim uh, or, uh, or anti-Islamic um, activity that were reported, and three instances of elected officials making negative statements about uh, Muslims. So that, I think that prefaces well this idea of the need for uh, security, the awareness of, um, the awareness that we're in a position that has us not always being cared for or considered by those who are elected and supposed to be representing and serving us. So we've got to take it upon ourselves to engage them on one hand, but we also have to take the responsibility of managing our own security. So that being said, uh, tell us about this new initiative that CLGC uh, has embarked upon that addresses this concern directly. Yes, thank you, and thank you for the opportunity to share our message uh, with your your community. Um, as you may know, CLGC is an umbrella organization, and as such, uh, the interests of our members direct our actions. <clears throat> and using the the points you've just shared as a as a backdrop, it is clear there is increasing level of violence directed at houses of worship and people occupying houses of worship, but more specifically uh, Muslims, mosques. Mm -hmm. So we have initiated a, a, a drive to prepare our member organizations for, um, to better prepare themselves for any kind of hostile intruder to their, uh, their, their house of worship or their school. And uh, in essence, we've engaged uh, all the, the uh, members here in, uh, in the greater Chicagoland area. We've had a very positive response on their part to just understanding basic concepts of how we can better protect ourselves. You know, like I said, we, we have an obligation to be prepared. You cannot uh, assume there will be nothing there to make ready. Mm -hmm. and, and that make ready means to first is to be observant, to understand what risks are really present in your particular area. And then another thing that, that an issue that we face from a cultural, in terms of innate to the religion is the, the mosque is to be a welcoming place, a place of refuge. Right. And with those as premises, uh, you know, you're not anticipating people bringing with hostile intentions or to, to visit violence on there. But we've that that perception that culture uh, that reaction has to change now because you have people uh, with uh, ill intent 
visiting masjids. I mean, we've had a number of instances right here in the greater Chicago land area, what? Where uh, in the southwest suburbs, there was an individual with a mask circling the area uh, in the uh, school parking lot, in the masjid parking lot. Uh, making disparaging remarks about Muslims and their status here as, as in the United States. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, institutions of school where on their Facebook page, uh, hate and violence is being uh, threatened. They're being threatened on the, the, in the social media. Uh, we've another instance is where there was an individual <clears throat> who just entered the facility and in essence was walking around taking pictures. It's almost... <clears throat> Excuse me. It's as if he was scoping the place to find to identify vulnerabilities. These kinds of instances are now awakening, heightening the concern. Clearly, there's a level of anxiety in our community Mm -hmm. that was not here in in recent months. It's here now. And the recognition that we must take affirmative steps to protect ourselves. And that's what we've done. Let me ask this. In comparison to another minority faith group, uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters here, right? So we are 1% of the population, uh, estimated 1% of the U.S. population. The Jewish community is estimated to be 2% of the U.S. population. And it seems that they have, uh, in dealing with anti-Semitic acts and hate crimes, that they have picked up the ball and sort of ran with it a bit sooner than we have with regard to their preparation uh, and their response. Uh, And it's not uncommon now to go to synagogues and see armed security outside before you get in. Um, Do you think that there was a bit of trepidation on behalf of the Muslim community in taking, and I'm I'm not saying that the security efforts that we're talking about here are exactly that, but do you think that there has been a sense of trepidation uh, in in taking steps to be visibly secured? Well, one, I I think it's more of a, a, a perception, awareness of the gravity of the problem. Mm-hmm. I think uh, if we go back to was it two, 2017 when we had the the, uh, the demonstration in Charlottesville, that caught a lot of people, uh, particularly Muslims, off guard, not expecting that the level of <clears throat> hate was that it, it could be that palpable in our country. Um, and now with the, the, the violence, the killings in uh, uh, Christchurch, New Zealand, it's a recognition that there is hostile forces out here. There is a need to be prepared. And this, I believe, are the things that have changed, caused a change in attitude a recognition that just you can't just let anybody through the door, and um, it's causing. And that's that's I said has been part of the impetus that has led us to develop this uh, safety training for our member organizations. And what is that safety training? Uh, well, as much as, as much as you could share <laughs> without without compromising safety yes, yes. <laughs> no fundamentally we've called on um, uh, members of uh, homeland security uh, we've consulted with local police departments the county the, the cook county health department in drawing on their knowledge and their expertise to help fashion and mold a plan of action that'll be uniform 
uh, for our masjids. Now, every masjid had predicts, uh, presents a unique uh, security risk. You know, some were uh, converted, uh, uh, mosques were converted from a, a different use, and it's really not designed to be a um, to be secured against a an intruder. You know, sometimes there's a, a lot of large windows uh, exposing uh, the prayer area, the masala area. With that being said, but there's still some fundamental core principles that that are that transcend the actual individual location and extend to any place. And what are those? What we've co- we've come to learn, and what we're sharing with our and in, in training and instructing our member organizations is is that there's three three primary principles that are directing our actions. One is you have to have a degree of perimeter control. And by perimeter, in other words, to understand who's entering your your safety zone within the, the confines of your, your master or your school. Right. Is that a hostile force? And how do you do that? By having an element of perimeter control. And how is that done? It's done with patrols. That's done with cameras. That's done with barricades. That's done with fences. That That's one element. Mm-hmm. A second element is uh, uh, controlling the point of entry. And by that, you know, you see that uh, when you go to the airport, you see that when you go to, uh, you know, some public facilities uh, where you have uh, guards or or deputy sheriffs or whatever, law enforcement, screening the people who come through to know, uh, to identify um, a potential threat to the occupants of that. So that's the second element that we're providing instruction, training, and knowledge on. And then the third element it is, is that to the extent that the perimeter has been compromised, to the extent the entry has been compromised, what, how do you alert? How do you prepare those that are within your building to uh, address this? And you, the, one of the, concept that was shared with us is the the premises that you you run you hide you fight and and that that's another principle that's in directing our actions and and by that i mean if you have a hostile force then you try to direct and evacuate the members through another uh, uh, exit of the premises to to safety so let me ask this so there's it sounds like there are a couple of layers to this right there's one where you have member organizations you have the leadership you have those people who are tasked with security uh, and then the other layer of that is an education that's going to have to take place within each institution uh, with the members in those specific spaces to you know to impart you know run yes. hide fight right yes. when uh, you, you, you hunt, there is we we are working to improve the level of communication among ourselves or let's just say those with the responsibility of keeping the masjid or the school safe the next element is improving and the communication with first responders the law enforcement and the third element is is what you're referring to, communicating with the membership of a of, if there is a risk of harm uh, 
presented in the facilities. And 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 yes, it there they vary in terms of how they're going to be implemented on, on on each level, but each are critical elements in in really keeping our our masjids and those inside safe. Have there been any conversations that you're aware of, not necessarily from uh, emanating from the CIOGC, but just conversations you're aware of that put that, that talk about the efficacy of having gun clubs, about having concealed carry, uh, about uh, being more vocal uh, and, and, and just being more, having more participation when it comes to Second Amendment uh, rights? Because to me, before you answer, to me, it seems like it has, there's, there's been, been more of a history of reticence on behalf of Muslims um, in the United States when it comes to that because of 9-11, because of ISIS, and because of the portrayal of Muslims or the connection of Muslims or Islam to violence, where that's one of the spaces where, you know, we can be, we can all be Americans, uh, we can all be patriots, but if you're not wearing a uniform, that's not something that you as an individual citizen would want to, um, you know, to engage in. Clearly, that was that is a, a narrative that has existed, particularly since 9-11, in terms of trying to portray the Muslim as um, reflecting elements of uh Peace, if you want to, for the lack of a better word. But yeah. le- the the recognition, though, in terms of addressing that, in terms of how we're looking at this from a security point of view, is, you know, a number of places they are having security that is, you know, armed security, you know, right. because you you want to be, uh, you want to be prepared. The, um, uh, so that, I mean, Steps are being taken to address that, to you know, to prepare oneself for that kind of threat that can be there. But clearly, uh, the a dominant element of of addressing this is not just uh, de- uh, arming uh, a band of people within the masjid. <laughs> it, it's more about working with law enforcement and having better lines of communication, so they are one informed of the nature of the threat, the location of the threat, mm-hmm. and being able to eliminate that threat for the well-being of all all those present. Okay. No, no, I, I wasn't saying from an organizational standpoint, like you just, you got five or six guys running around with concealed carry, just willy-nilly. No, I was really speaking more about outside of the masjid, just as individuals, um, because I, I fear at times we buy into the narrative. We buy into the stories that are told about us. And we don't think about all of the Muslims that serve, uh, not just in the military, but serve on police departments, that serve in the fire department, that are not just doctors, right? We're used to that. Uh, but folks that are first responders. Um, you know, it's funny you should mention it because in essence, um, we've been um, um, blessed to have members of law enforcement in the greater Chicago uh, community who are Muslims contributing, adding their knowledge and expertise to cultivate and form fashion this, our, our safety plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you know, I, 
uh, if you're going to look at what's happening out, as you say, outside the Damascus, you know, I think there is a growing awareness uh, of that. And I, I don't know if I'm ready to draw conclusions on where <laughs> where things are going because uh, it, it it is, to me, it's intimidating to have a group of people who don't know how to sh- use a gun all of a sudden be armed with a gun. Now, well, that, that's why you got to have training. That, that, no you question must about have it. Training. You must have training. Yeah. You must have training. Yeah. So moving forward, uh, this is one aspect of responding to anti-Muslim um, uh, bias and uh, Islamophobia and violence against Muslims and securing our houses of worship and uh, businesses. Uh, this is one aspect of it. Can we talk a bit about the other side of that and the, the proactive side, the side where, uh, where we have formed alliances and how CIOGC has been uh, an integral part of, of that work in the Chicagoland uh, area? Well, yes. Um, this security is a, is a reaction, mm-hmm. a reaction to a, a real threat that the members in our community face. Nonetheless, and even before uh, these recent violent outbreaks that have, have impacted not only mosques but synagogues and, and churches, uh, not only in the United States but across the world, there has been a, re- a recognition that we must uh, become civically engaged. And by that, I mean not only in the political arenas, advocating for policies that, that, that benefit the Muslim community and benefit the society at large, but also in terms of working with uh, in other interfaith partners and traditions to advocate principles that are common to us, like a sense of justice, concern for, you know, for, for those at, at risk or at, at disadvantage, and to challenge and, and speak out, fight back against this, this rising climate of, I call it hate speech. Mm-hmm. You may mentioned earlier in your in your remarks to to the audience about the number of governmental representatives making statements that have been construed as uh, hate statements. I, I've noticed something in the news recently where a judge, a criminal criminal judge in the state of Tennessee, mm-hmm. making statements that have uh, uh, hate statements as they reply to uh, Muslims and Jews. Um, wow. And another thing I think that should be kept in, in mind is, is what has drawn the, uh, uh, the attention most in recent uh, headlines is how this has impacted the, the Muslim community, how it's impacted, let's say, the Catholic community, how it's impacted the Jewish community. But uh, this, there's been a long history in this country of uh, hate directed at African Americans. And when you look at these hate messages, that's always one of the phrases in there mm-hmm. as they recite an add-on Jews or they add-on Af- uh, add-on Muslims. Yeah, it it, it 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 really relates to uh, continuing the legacy of racial hate that still is a part in the fabric of this country that people of faith, people of goodwill must come together and continue to fight against. Mm. I I think what you're, I wouldn't say alluding to, but I'll I'll just, I'll put another um, 
another face on it, uh, to go from simply just racial hatred to white supremacy, right? The um, the violence that was inflicted against African Americans, it was rooted in, it was rooted in uh, their subjugation. It was rooted in um, uh, fear, and a lot of times fear is mistaken as as hatred. is is mistaken as anger, and the the fear that we see right now, even with the chants that uh, you talked about Charlottesville earlier, right? They're they're chanting. Uh, Jews will not replace us, right? I mean, over and over, you start to think like, what what exactly are you really trying to get at, and and what is your fear of being replaced, and and what do you think what do you think that means? I mean, once again, I think at the beginning I said two percent of the population, right? One percent of the population, two percent, you know, uh, uh, Jews, two percent, Muslims, one percent, uh, African Americans, thirteen percent of the population, right? And then you start looking at these small numbers and the reactions that people are uh, that they're that they're um, that they're displaying it it really doesn't add up and and that's because fear is irrational and and that leads me back to when I say white supremacy as the in my opinion the chief problem uh, that we have that undergirds all of these, whether it's anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-blackness, um, anti-immigrant, whatever it is, they're all rooted in that. And I would, I wish that we had more of our elected officials who were willing to take that on and call it out by name. Uh, but that's just a Ramadan wish. Well, I mean, once again, um, that's why civic engagement is so important for all communities. Yeah, particularly the Muslim communities, to begin to rally the members in your community to carry a message to the legislators that these issues must be addressed. Um, what we mentioned, uh, you know, each year, CIOGC has a uh, advocacy day. It's called uh, Illinois Muslim Action Day. All right, and part of the message. Um, that we carried when asked what to do about Islamophobia, well, you know, it, 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 it's, hard, it's hard to legislate against hate. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, you can provide barriers or venues to protect those people. And one, or any alternative to deter. And one of the suggestions that we, 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 we shared with the legislators is, is that there should be tougher, more strict, harsher penalties for anybody who commits an act of violence in a house of worship. Yeah. Not just any any house of worship. Mm -hmm. So it sends a message that, you know, that we care, we're concerned about this, and we're taking it seriously. And then the other aspect is, is finding ways, and once again, this is being engaged, and also engaged with law enforcement. So there's there's a better sharing of information to to protect the whole. Um, we must uh, all communities must engage because it's hard to argue or discuss uh, when you're d reacting on emotions and fear. 
And some of that, as you're saying, is grows out of ignorance. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that there is more engagement, and more particularly with those who profess to hate you, mm -hmm. uh, so at least people are making a, a can be making a rational decision instead of an emotional decision. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, definitely something to think about. Uh, for those of you who are in the Chicagoland area. Uh, who are members of the CIOGC, hope that you are taking advantage of this security training. Um, and, you know, and just if I can share this too, mm -hmm. this, uh, this training is not being restricted just to our member organizations. Any Muslim community that uh, is interested in participating, Please reach out to us. Our telephone number is area code 312-506-0070. And, and just ask that for information about the security program. Um, there's information on our website at www.cogc.org. Um, and um, like I said, is the objective is, is to help everybody to be prepared. Uh, for po the potential, the real risk that a hostile intruder can come to your place and and we've and hurt. We we've seen it too much, uh, too many times now. So, thank you so much, brother Abdullah. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I extend my, on behalf of the council, extend my Ramadan greetings to uh, your listening audience, and may Allah bless this to be a a peaceful and re reinvigorating month to bring us closer to our creator Amen. 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 all right radio Islam family don't go anywhere we're going to take a short break but we will be back in a moment this is radio Islam, and we're on wcev 1450 a.m 